Little by little is how the pig's nose enters the yard. A Yoruba proverb. Welcome back to Splinters of a Broken Sun, an actual play podcast featuring the Fate Core system. We are currently enjoying a little bit of downtime at our main character's Fortress of Solitude, the hub, which is no longer quite so full of solitude. Today, I am joined by four intrepid adventurers, including Jason, the singing chemist. Hi, yes, I'm Jason, the singing chemist, and I'll be playing Zonin Chan, that hat boy you love to hat. Oh, and we also have got uh, Michael Blood with us. Howdy, folks. I play Emmer Pot. He's currently um, indisposed because he cannot walk. Alas, we're also joined by OG Brown Sugar. Hello, everyone. I'm OG Brown Sugar, and I play Maeve Fentis, mother of spiders and surgeon general. Indeed. We've also got Keekers with us. Hi, everyone. I'm Keekers, also known as to be a space cat. I play Keva, the nanny, I guess now. She's kind of torn everywhere at once, taking care of her friends and all that, and kids and goats. Excellent. When we last left off, our characters were in various states of health, and they were at the point where there wasn't a whole lot that they could do to advance their agenda until they got some useful word from Hub and until Emran and Maeve healed of their injuries. Since that time, uh, about a week has passed here in the Hub, and we're going to check in to see what the characters were up to during that time. So what was Emran doing during this week of downtime? Within the first few days, Emran would have been focusing on trying to get better, get his knees and you know, legs in working order again and trying to stop having so many floating ribs. Mm-hmm. Emran, of course, all of all of your characters heal more quickly than uh, people without legions of nanomachines in their blood and muscles and bones and such would, but uh, does still require some time to heal and get back on his feet. What has Keva been up to? As I mentioned in the intro, Keva's kind of been in a lot of places at once, checking in on the injured slash ill people in the infirmary because, you know, she cares. <laughs> kind of checking in on the caretakers and the kids, making sure they're comfortable and entertained and not frightened out of their wits. And also kind of going up onto the surface and checking in on those goats, taking care of those goats, milking those goats, trying to make cheese again. And um, also like just checking in on her friends who aren't in the sick bay. Mm-hmm. Let's do a quick crafts roll to see how your cheese making efforts have gone. <laughs> Oh, okay. You know, it's only only four goats, but you can still make some some cheese with that. Okay, you got a two. So you're able to make some passable cheese. It's not up to your usual standards, but it's better than nothing. And what has Maeve been doing? I've just been doing my rounds and making sure that all the patients are doing well, including Dag, and of taking course. some furious notes about uh, his physiology as it develops. Now, you, got, uh, you took an arrow to the knee, which I'm sure everyone finds hilarious because of memes. And that leg has been stiff, understandably, but you've also been finding that the rest of you is 
stiffer than usual too. You've got the sort of bone deep ache in your muscles that you usually get when you're, say, uh, a teenager going through a growing spurt. At the same time, you're feeling dry and itchy in your in your skin, and everything just feels stiff and uncomfortable at the moment. How's Maeve been dealing with that? She's just been terribly focused on work that she's done her best to ignore it, including just riding everywhere on an ant. Hmm, very regal. Uh, how's Zonin been coping? Uh, Zonin's doing okay. He's checking in on his friends as often as he can. Um, he's also been trying to keep make sure the kids are feeling okay and that everything's kind of light, fun, and then uh, kind of puttering around, drafting up hat concepts and doing whatever um, minor tasks are needed uh, for Hub to operate. Have you got anything set up for your little friend? Oh, right. Yes. No, I've uh, created a nice little three-tiered um, with little uh, tubes and ramps uh, habitat for Ferrore, the golden mole. Okay. Very good. Um, Each tier, of course, representing one of the aspects of the Triforce. Naturally. What's Which one have you got on the top tier? I'm just curious. Oh, courage, obviously. Fair. That's like a little, like a little golden mole trapeze set. Y- yes. <laughs> okay, Keva, you wake up in the middle of the night one night. It's been about a week since the events which we last discussed at the end of that episode, and you see, sort of at the foot of your bed, there is a a, a thin shape collapsed over the bottom of your bed. Keva like sits up and and is kind of like looking at the shape, like. What is this the shape of? <laughs> uh, well, it is some type of vine that you see, but it is a vine that is uh, currently withered, but you see the very tip of it is still green for a moment uh, until it too withers away and then the whole thing turns into dust. Maeve, you have a similar experience. So, Keva, how, how is Keva dealing with this? She kind of like touches the dust or, or whatever's left of it and is kind of like, Dick? And I guess she heard from Maeve and Emrin about what happened with Dag and, and more details off screen. So she kind of goes up to go check on him on the surface where Maeve had kind of buried him or taken care of his uh, corporeal form, as it were. Okay, Maeve, what, have you, what do you do when you see this vine withering at the end of your bed? I have the same reaction. I just assume it's Dag, and I quickly muster up a mound to go see what he's up to. Okay. Up on the surface of the hub, uh, you go to where you have his uh, fungal body buried, and you see that there are several new growth fungi sprouting from uh, the dirt beneath which you have put what you assume was his main body. Uh, each one of them has like small arms coming off of it. They're moving slightly, but not with great vigor. So there are about a dozen of these miniature, not, I mean, they're large for mushrooms, but very small compared to Dag's body. About a dozen of these with their slowly moving arms. Both of you arrive around the same time to see this. Hey, did you have like a thing in your room? I did. I found it invasive, but here I am. I will try to communicate with the small mushrooms. How do you do that? Oh, do they have eyes yet or just little arms? Just the little arms at the moment. Hi, little guys. Um, If you can understand what I'm saying, wave your right hands. They continue with their movements with no change that you can see. Okay, I don't think they can hear us, Maeve. Do they at least look like healthy mushrooms? 
Yes. From your experience, these look like they're in good shape. Can we like remove, like, did Maeve put dirt over his face or can we like... Uh, he's been fully, check, uh, he's been fully buried. I mean, you could try to dig away some dirt, but you might disturb these new growth mushrooms. So that would depend on what you feel is the best route here. I think we just let him be. Mm-hmm. But it's like, he tried to do, does Keva feel any like tugging? Like maybe she could try to like interface with this at all you could try but it's uh it's mushrooms you can give it a shot yeah she's gonna try to see if she can try to like at least like maybe just get a sense of what's happening with him okay Uh, so you extend one of your hair extensions i guess into the ground around the mushrooms or what's your what are you plugging into here she's actually touching one of the actual mushrooms okay Uh, that mushroom pauses in its movements and you can feel feelings like a person might feel and they're feelings that are sort of calm and restful okay so it's general like a positive like okay um keva will kind of like relate this to Maeve. I mean, I think he's okay. Like, he's sleeping. Okay, as long as he's fine, relatively. I mean, maybe it's like one of those things, like, you know, like, in your sleep, you kind of, like, try to talk to someone or, like, remember how... How Deg's mom would sleepwalk? I do. I took several notes. Yeah, I imagine you did. Maybe it's like that. Hopefully there's no more rampant growing in places we don't want it to. I mean, what's so bad about just a vine if he was trying to talk to us? I don't mind the vine, but I mean, if he's growing in his sleep, he could flood into hub again. True enough. Um, hmm. Okay, so do you return to your rooms? Kevin's going to stay up here, actually. She's going to kind of, like, keep an eye on him. But also maybe, like, she kind of checks on the goats a few times. Okay, the goats are doing fine. They're just hanging out in their little goat hut. You know, it's, uh... Are are your characters... Are you folks... Are you sleeping during what used to be daytime? Or are you sleeping when the moons are out? Because Hub is active when the moons are out. Yeah, Kevin would kind of be like to everyone... At least she would think this and want to tell the other... There's like maybe like, oh, well, now that there's not a sun, we should sleep when the it's light out, just when the moons are up. Okay. What's yeah, I'm following suit. Okay. I'm getting work done when there's power. Okay. And, uh, how about you, Zonin? Is, is Zonin sleeping during moon time or sun time? Um, is it possible for him to split? <laughs> yeah, you could go in between. Yeah, I think uh, he doesn't want to be missing out on hub activity, but also, you know, likes... Um, d- doesn't want his cycle to be off when the sun comes back. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, so Maeve, you return down into, you're still staying in the, uh, the clinic, the back of the clinic area, right? Yep. Okay. And I will check on the patients while I'm up. They seem to be still recovering. Mandukai and Karis have not regained consciousness for more than a few minutes at a time, usually at the same time, but they are still asleep and recovering. Emrin is making good progress. As it's been a week, Emrin, uh, are you still in the clinic or have you gone back to your room at this point? You can walk, but you're not. It would be painful to run, but you can walk. By the time Emrin's um, able to walk safely without needing any help, he would definitely give up the bed in deference to someone else who might need it, who might have been put on a cot or something. Okay. There aren't there aren't really any other wounded people, so it's just the three of you, but there aren't that many beds, so it's a, probably a good idea. Is uh, I have a question. Is Emrin's 
pad back in like the hotel area big enough for him? Um, what do you think, Emron? I don't think many beds are big enough unless I have what used to be an old king size suite. Okay. You could at least have had, you know, some of Maeve's helpers bring in a larger mattress that might fit you if that's what you yeah, want. Like, definitely. Okay. So you've got a bed that fits. I mean, I imagine that the mattresses or beds that we had like back in our town or whatever were big enough because, you know, you can make those big enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, Emran, you are back in your bed. Keva, you're spending the night up on the surface. Uh, Constance was on duty when you woke up, Maeve. So you, the two of you confer a bit and you both agree that progress is promising for Karis and Mandukai, that they will still need some time to recover from uh, those wounds, which are quite traumatic for them. So the scanners that you have have shown you that uh, Mandukai now has three distinct sets of nanomachines in her system. One of them is the standard set that everyone from Gov's domain has. The other is a set that is not the same as the secondary set you have, but very similar. And the third set is the same set that you have because of the blood transfusion. Whereas Karis uh, is seen to have two sets in his system. One of them is the standard set and the other one is the same secondary set that Mandukai has. So they definitely have uh, some type of connection that has allowed them to exchange these specific nanomachines that Mandukai got from the splinter that she interacted with when she was still in the church. A connection. Well, you could theorize about what that connection might be, but uh, there you go. That's what you've learned from your scans. Can I take samples of the nanomachines or do I not have the tech for that yet? You do not have the tech for that at the moment. This is a, just a, this is like a walk-in clinic that you've got. So the, the fact that you're able to use it to keep these two from dying is already pretty impressive, but it doesn't have high-end like nanotechnology laboratory stuff in it. Can Keva like try to like use like her hair to interact with the two sets of nano machines she has inside of her? Your hair is made of them, so yes. But I'm wondering which set of nano machines that is. It seems to be if you put them in the scanner, it seems to be a combination of them both. Now, hmm, does our body like make more nan? Like, is it like the nano machines self replicate, or are they just like? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was about to say, like, how does that system work? Yeah, no, they self-replicate. Would it be possible for the newer, like the 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 nano machines from the like uh, splinter to kind of like hack the ones already inside of the body? It's possible. Let's see. So you want them to change the programming of the original ones? The ones that she had from, I guess. Well, you wouldn't have them from utero. Well, I guess utero when she was a fetus. Yeah, the the original ones. You you would have to start learning about how those work. You'd have to find some books on that and start learning about it. Okay, so um, I know Keva's already doing a lot of things. Would it be possible for her to like at least find those books? Sure. Let's do an investigate. Okay, investigate roll. Does anyone want to help me with investigate? (laughs) 
I can help. Okay. So you can add a plus one from Maeve's help. All right. If you find a series of books. That is uh, the best roll I've ever gotten. (laughs) Yeah, you got a six there. You find a series of books from uh, one of the bookstores, a specialty bookstore down in the West Shopping. And they appear to be on the topic of nanomachines and how nanomachines interact with biology and the ways in which, you know, the the nanomachines that were native to the people who lived on this station before uh, whatever happened happened had. So you can start reading those during this time and uh, that can be an ongoing project for you. Yes, I would like to keep that project up. Absolutely. Uh, So the next time that the four of you meet in the hotel lobby for your briefing with uh, Hub, Hub appears once the moons are out and they can spare the processing power to have that avatar out. And Hub says, okay, I've got a lead. I'm not 100% sure this will work, but they uh, sort of take a deep breath and they wave their hand and a projection appears in the in the middle of the area here in the hotel lobby. And Hub says, I've been able to use my remaining connection to some of the stops out there. And I found an anomaly and a, uh, a map zooms in a 3D map into, you know, rock and debris. But there is a long hole leading all the way through the rock and debris out towards what you assume is the hull of the station. And Hub gestures at that. Well, um, okay, maybe that doesn't mean anything to you. But there appears to be a tunnel that leads all the way out to the exterior of the station. Pardon me? Oh, sorry. I was just... Kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Sometimes I talk softly. (laughs) Hmm. So it would be extremely dangerous, but it's possible that if you could make your way down this bore hole out to the surface, you could do a little bit of rewiring because there's a panel and the display zooms out and you're now looking at the exterior of the station from the outside. A set of panels just about three or four kilometers from where this borehole seems to open out. And if those are still functional, we could run a line. So, um, you know, when we were with the rebels and they escaped, mentioned something about Exile's End? Yeah, okay. I mean, I was thinking about that and I was wondering if like maybe that was like had something to do with it. Like I don't, I don't know anything about Exile's End. It's just a name you've told me. Is it well, related I mean, to like, this borehole, maybe? Like, maybe that's what was created? Like, to get away from the church, someone didn't know? I couldn't tell you. If any of you knew more about this Exile's End, then maybe we could do some cross-referencing. But uh, I don't have it in my databanks. I mean, we could always try to ask Mandikai and Karis. I don't think they're in any shape for that type of conversation right now. Well, regardless, I, I'd like to go. I think we can do it. You know, um, you, you did get something, Zonin. Yes, I did. But I thought that Matt Damon has that. No, it was, it's on vellum. It's a oh, physical right. thing. Yes. Oh, yes. I will produce my artifact. Okay. Uh, so you unroll your map onto the table in the middle there. And it's a map that shows... Um, you see part of the map is just a big circle that says Gov's Domain. And there's no further detail there because, you know, there are other maps that can give you that detail. And there's a lot of the world outside of the Gov's Domain circle there. And uh, there are, like, routes that are mapped 
out. There are different settlements with uh, notations. And then there's one that's sort of a a star on it. But uh, all of the further information in there is written in some type of code for which you do not have the key. But uh, cross-referencing that map with what you have found here shows that none of these settlements is... Uh, an exact match with this big tunnel. Okay. None are exact, uh, exactly referred, or sorry, like none align exactly, but are they kind of, like, is there a pattern? There's not exactly a pattern. It's just a series of, you would assume, settlements or bases or maybe caches uh, that the excommunicated use. But there's no reason to believe that they're all connected through this tunnel? No. Okay. The tunnel is like a, it would be on the Z-axis of this map. Ah, gotcha. So it's like the on the outside. Mm-hmm. It'd be heading down below the map. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. It's just hard to think four-dimensionally here. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so the map covers the surface and then this hole would be so you you sort of you have the map there and hub scans it and makes a 3d replica of it and then uh they place the borehole where they estimate it would be on that map and you can see that it is you know maybe 20 kilometers from the nearest settlement or cache that's noted on the map to exiles in yeah hub i mean like when we were flying things didn't look flat Oh, uh, yeah. Remember, we talked about somebody dumped a bunch of garbage all over the inside of the station. N- no, no. I mean, like, not umps. I mean, like, the ground was the sky. Oh, yeah. I thought we go over that. Hub um, pulls up a map of the station, and it's the map that you saw the first time Hub showed it to you. And it shows that the station is like a torus shape. It's like a giant donut. And Hub sort of makes uh, some slashing motions with their hand, and a cross section opens up. And from that, you can see that there's there are supposed to be settlements all around the inside of this tube that goes around it. And Hub says, so we've got what goes in between here so that it's less disorienting for the people who live on the station. There's a projection of sky. Uh, Otherwise, you would be looking up and you would be seeing, you know, the settlements directly across the station from you. And for some people, that just uh, wasn't great for their mental health. So we we had the sky projection. Okay, okay. Sorry. Yeah, we we kind of talked about that, but it was one of those things that like doesn't sink in until you see it, and then it's weird. And Yeah, I imagine it must have been very strange for you coming in on a ship from the outside like that. Yeah, so like, sorry, it, figuring out some of like these maps... That helps because like last time we couldn't find you on the ship and I, I, I just kind of am trying to figure out like visually like how I'd get back here without a beacon. Right. That makes sense. I think I can redirect power to the beacon uh, enough so that I will have it do a pulse every few hours. Okay, but also I'd like to like try to figure out visually on this map like where Hub is, where you are, you know? Oh, sure. Uh, Hub zooms into the map and they're wrapping the Exile's End map around the bottom half of one section of the uh, station map. So they're, they're combining these two maps. 
And you can see that Gov's domain, the circle of it, is a very, very tiny portion of this station. Really? Yeah. Um, even this map that has outside of it uh, to Exile's End, it maybe makes up like an eighth of one half of a station tube. Oh. Whoa. So um, just a little peek behind the curtain here for our listeners. When we had been talking about uh, how big the domain was, we had kind of figured out that it was like close to the size, the area of the state of Wisconsin. So that's like, so that would mean like the domain would be like a couple of those bigger Midwestern states altogether area wise. Yeah, probably. I can tell you the exact area. Gov's domain covers 251,000 square kilometers. So 250... How much was that again? Sorry. 251,000 square kilometers. Okay, so 251 square kilometers times... Eight times two, because it's one eighth and then of half. Now, Gov's domain itself isn't an eighth. The entirety of the map, including all the way out to Exile's End, covers an eighth. Okay. Gov's domain, 251,000 square kilometers, is about one quarter of that. So we can we can let people figure this out on their own, but you can extrapolate that there would be the possibility for many, many billions of people to live on this station. Yes. Yes. Like an entire continent, probably. Around there. So this station is truly massive, truly gigantic. And Gov's domain, the world as you know it, is a tiny percentage of it. Truly, truly outrageous. So Hub shows you where Hub is at the moment. And it's actually about a quarter turn uh, clockwise around the station. It's not near Gov's domain or anywhere on the Exile's End map either. It's in a completely different area. Oh, okay. So we are outside of the domain. Yeah, well outside of it. Yay. Um, I'm wondering if there is uh, some sort of feature like directly under Hub on the, the other side of the station uh, to use as a reference. Yeah, I mean, uh, so Hub can give you like a, a, a map. Hub can upload a map to Hub into the ship. The ship is basically an extension of Hub. Oh, that'd be great. Hey, friends. Oh, it's, I guess more like a pet. Does the ship have a name? Yes. But it's not a very exciting name. You're welcome to give it one of your own. Well, what what is the not exciting name? Oh, uh, it's the 88 Express. Oh, no, that's pretty uh, exciting. Oh, yeah, 88 miles per hour? Come on, back to the future. Yeah. yeah, the 88 Express is the name of this spaceship bus. Though one could say, like, the Infinity Infinity Express, because, you know, eights are infinity signs on a different thing. From a certain point of view. So Hub actually says, you know, you might be interested in this. And Hub uh, expands the map more and goes further out until the station actually becomes a fairly small feature. And Hub says, uh, this is what we used to call the soul system. I don't know. I think I mentioned it to you before, but maybe it would be useful for you to see this. Soul? Yeah. That's the name of the star at the center of this star system. And Hub keeps sort there of zooming are... out and zooming out and zooming out. And you start seeing these large, roughly spherical shapes appearing uh, in different parts as Hub continues to zoom out. And Hub is kept sort of like a pin in where the station is so that you can see it even as... That's... 
it vanishes into insignificance. That circle has a ring around it. Yes, it does. Uh, a couple of them do. So this thing in the middle, and Hub does uh, another gesture, and you can now basically see the solar system. Now this big thing in the middle is Sol. That's our local star. Now here, and Hub shows you that there are nine larger planet things, some of which are considerably bigger than others, all of which are much larger than the station. These are the planets in the solar system. This third one is where your people come from. They called it Keva, Yeah, Kev is like immediately like looking at it, kind of like looking around it. I imagine this is kind of like that scene from Final Fantasy VII where Bugenhagen is showing them the projection of the solar system. And for our listeners who don't know about that, that is an amazing scene with music. I would totally suggest listening to that music. Thank you for the Bugenhagen reference. Just, uh, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Bugenhagen yeah. is a delight. He's like, like what one of the best Final Fantasy characters. <laughs> I feel like what's happening for our characters every time Hub talks about space is like a mixture between the Prince of Egypt when Joseph tells his wife about meeting God and uh, the main you character mean Moses. Planet. What I say? Yeah, Moses, my bad. And um, in Treasure Planet when he's a little kid looking at the uh, like the storybook of the pirates. Yeah, Jim. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go learn some names really quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> my, reference I just, uh... my, my reference game is not as strong. I'm sorry, I just am a huge animated movie fan. Like, you know, like those lists that people like post, like, how many movies have you seen by or Blue Sky Studios or Don Bluth or whatever? I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen all of them. <laughs> so Hub is showing you this solar system projection, and it is the solar system that you and I would recognize. Uh, and Hub has the point that represents the station, and it is orbiting around, not too close, but orbiting around this third planet from the sun. And Hub is saying, this is where we're supposed to be. And then Hub moves that point all the way out past the fourth planet and into this ring of just small shapes and says, this is where we are, as far as I can tell. It's called the asteroid what? belt. Oh, so she's like trying to figure this out. So like the belt goes around the soul. Yeah. And the little things that make up the belt, they're what? They're called asteroids. They're pieces oh, of okay. Pieces of planets that either didn't form or formed and then were, you know, destroyed. Pardon me for being daft, but what's the belt holding up? <laughs> It's just a belt in terms of going around something. So those uh -huh. other planets have so those other planets have belts too. Well, uh, I guess they could. This one and this one have rings, which is just debris that's been attracted into their gravitational pull. Excuse me. I've still got some glitches with the power issues. But anyway, and Hub uh, claps their hands and the view zooms back into the station. Hub says, the 88 Express used to do a loop from the station out to the settlements on the moon and then down to Earth and back up to the station. Yeah, so the real moon was circle. It's a shape. spherical shape, yeah. Not eye-shaped. No, those have been cut into the station to provide illumination from Seoul. It's weak, but it's there. Okay, so I know we've been over this. Like, did people think Seoul was a god at some point? I'm sure many people did throughout history. That's not really my area of specialty, though. Kevin's totally going to have to check to see if anyone ever worshipped Seoul like the way they worshipped Gov. 
Uh, I just would like to point out that when Hub explained that the belt doesn't do anything, it gave him the idea for a useless belt on a hat, and he's drafting up a pilgrim's hat. <laughs> yes. Uh, he should also be working on a pilot hat also or a co-pilot hat. Uh, I'm on it. Navigator's hat. Just a wearable sextant. And we need some lenses for an overdue Plague Doctor mask. What, oh, does, uh, what does Maeve think about this map that she's seeing? She is very excited to see the rest of the world that has been kept from her. Hmm. Okay, good. Um, yeah, sorry about monopolizing all the questions. It's just, you know. Hey guys, my my username is be a space cat. <laughs> All right, so uh, Hub is saying, okay, so this borehole should take you out to the surface of the station. I don't know what it's like on the surface right now because my sensors are buried or broken. Somebody has gone to a lot of effort to make sure that we can't see outside and people can't see in either. So, well, here's the basics. You can't breathe in space. You can't exist in space without protection. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we can't breathe water. What was that? It, it, well, I mean, like space like water, like, you know, you can't breathe because then your lungs will get full of stuff and then you have to cough it up or like, you it's, know. Uh, it's kind of the exact opposite, but the effect is similar enough in that you won't survive it. Fortunately, I have found some space suits that I think you'll be able to fix up. At least, I think Zonin will be able to fix up. Zonin's eyebrows are super arched. Uh, especially if he gets some help from Emrin, because some parts of these spacesuits are mechanical and make use of the SGM. Emrin's eyebrows also arched. And uh, while those two are working on getting the suits going, there's definitely some issues about planning and provisioning that maybe Maeve and uh, Keva could get working on? I am. I Well, I've been making cheese lately. It's not the best I've ever made, but, you know, gotta start with new equipment. Always rough. Yeah. I mean, if I thought there was another good lead, I wouldn't be sending you out into this unfamiliar situation, but uh, I'll send you all the information I can about doing a spacewalk and all the information I have about what the surface of the station should look like, and that should help you make your plans. Uh, just to reiterate, the, the plan is to do a spacewalk and connect Hub to some, some other auxiliary panels. That's the plan. Okay, thank you. And look at a real sun. Yeah, you'd probably still be able to see it from all the way out here. And stars. If that's the case, is it going to be possible for me to Matt Damon into to like uh, help make Matt Damon into a spacesuit? Yeah, you could probably you could probably do that, or at least put the spacesuit around Matt Damon. Like you have to see what you can do with that. Okay, cool. Because uh, you know, if we're going to see a sun, we can get charged with that hub. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these spacesuits, looking at like when Hub shows them to us, are we talking like Apollo mission? style spacesuits or like maybe the more like sci-fi spacesuits from other media. Uh, this is a realistic podcast so I imagine they're cumbersome and uh, yeah bothersome. Well, you'll have to see. Double like the snowsuits from a Christmas story. <laughs> I can't That's put like my arms down. <laughs> Actually like skin tight with like fish bowls. All right. Um, so Hub is saying, uh, so I'll send you that information. And if you follow the blue lights, uh, that will take you to the storage for the spacesuits. You should be able to put together enough solid ones for the four of you. Oh, so Jolly can't come? Unfortunately, I don't have a goat suit. 
I'm very like uh, whoever came before us did not have good priorities. <laughs> Hub chuckles. Okay, I'm going to deactivate the avatar now, and they do so. Uh, so the blue lights lead you towards the eastern shops on the lower level, and they lead you to sort of a compartment that until now has not been opened. And inside, uh, assuming you go inside, you see the racks upon racks of dusty old uh, spacesuits in disrepair. I definitely am. I am very giddy about this. Many will enter, few will win. So I'm going to put a link into the Discord uh, about to show you what these spacesuits are inspired by. Oh, so my answer will be, well, my answer that I seek will be given. Okay. And the picture did not preview in Discord, so you're going to have to click on it. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Oh, my God. What, why? 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 <laughs> Yes! Uh, yes! <laughs> oh! Uh, Matt, I thought your cruelty was like expressed at its height when you took my, you, when you just brutalized my character's body, but now, now I see the true malicious nature of your mind. Um, our listeners, please Google uh, Tekaman, uh, spelled T E K K A M A N, and I think you might get a picture. So the suits are all bright colors to make them more easily visible in the vacuum of space. They've got colored stripes of various uh, shades. You know, they've got red, they've got blue, yellow, some of them green. You see that different sections of suits in different sections of the racks have different colored stripes on them, and the suits are all slightly different in each of those sections. So you get the impression that some of these suits have specific purposes, and others also have different purposes. So even though the suits look like sort of a muscular humanoid body, they're about one and a half times the size of a human body. And from the documents, the information that Hub has sent you, you learn that these actually open up and you get into them and then they close up around you, sort of like they are a almost an exosuit. So when you get into these, you will be bigger than you are now. Not like your actual body, but uh, the suits look like a skin-tight outfit on a muscular person, but they actually aren't. That's just the external appearance that the designers went with. So instead of it being like skin-tight material, it's like the metal material, the material of say like, this doesn't look much at all like a halo uh, Spartan suit, but you know, kind of like that. It's a combination of space age ceramics, nanofilament materials, and some of the SGM as well on key parts. <laughs> I can't stop looking at it. It's so dead. I, oh. Yes, they are not, to our eyes, particularly cool looking. I completely oh, disagree, Matt. Yeah, I, I would. I would like to further. I would like to further Jason's argument here. Uh, I don't know why, but this is just screaming mystical ninja Goemon in space. Maybe it is. Could be can, similar designers. Can Keneva have one that has like the less shoulder pads, though? I'm sure there are some that have slightly smaller shoulder pads, uh, but you need those because there are thrusters in them. Uh -huh. Oh, this is the best game I've ever played in my life. Thank you, Matt, for providing this one. This one for. <laughs> Yeah, so the, the shoulder pads are large, not for aesthetic reasons, but because they have like vernier thrusters in them that blast out little puffs of air to allow you to navigate in space. 
Um, is it possible we can like change the colors, customize them? <laughs> yes, you can absolutely do that. You're encouraged to customize these to your heart's content and tell me what your individual spacesuits look like once uh, Zonin and Emrin are done or through cobbling together enough functional ones. But that's the basic template. I'm hoping to get one that's like a little less, uh, like not like chiseled abs. <laughs> they don't have to have the chiseled abs. Like I said, that's just the template. That's what these are inspired by. They do not look exactly like this. This is just my inspiration for the spacesuits that the people on this station had. What do you mean the suits don't aesthetically reproduce 1980s anime? <laughs> you know, not exactly, but they're clearly inspired by it. Darn. All right. So how do Emrin and Zonin feel when they see these things? Beyond excited. I think it's one of the few times in a long time that everyone has seen like a legitimate smile cross Emrin's face. Look at all these different colored hats. <laughs> I'm just looking around. It's like, why are why would anyone think that these are serviceable suits? Surely they fought in space. Why? <laughs> Emran, look, this one has like little like a V on its forehead, kind of poking up little V horns. So you don't see these don't have any weapons, but there are tool kits that are available, different tool kits that go with the different racks. Uh, so as you go through them, you find that like some are for maintenance, others are for construction. Um, one of them looks like it's just for surveillance or something. It doesn't seem to have any special gear attached to it, but it does have uh, a larger helmet and attached to the back of the helmet and the back of the suit is like a large disc that when it's on rotates slowly and seems to scan the area that it's in. There's the three main types that you see. Okay, the one with the disc is making me think of a Mega Man robot master. <laughs> Maybe. Do the ones purposed for construction have like hydraulics? I presumably they all have hydraulics, but like, does the one have, basically, does it look like the exosuit out of the ends of aliens? Uh, doesn't exactly look like that. It seems like the uh, aesthetic of the people who designed these suits was more to make them look as human as possible. So they've got like, uh, they have like a rig, the construction one has a rig that's got like a uh, extendable stuff on a backpack that's extendable, like a shovel and a pick that are on their own arms but the actual arms are still that humanoid look. So it's got like, uh, you know, like a Dr. Octopus style backpack, but with construction tools instead of tentacles. That's really cool. And what um, about the surveillance? You said the surveillance is a big helmet. What about the maintenance? Was that the third one? Yeah, there's looks like maintenance, construction, and surveillance or security of some sort. Not armed security, but like keeping an eye on things. Or maybe it's for doing like, um, you know, surveys. It looks like it has tools for doing different types of scans. Keva's, Keva's going to try to like interface with the three different types of not all at the same time but kind of like try to get a feel for like them okay uh so if you want to try and get that kind of uh look you'll need to do your your uh will roll no not your will roll sorry your rapport roll for these <sighs> i was so excited i was like oh, will yeah Okay. Uh, so what is it you wanted to know from these suits? 
You rolled a two. Yeah. So I guess she's kind of like trying to figure out how they function. Like, you know, the ship is like, I want to fly. I want to go. I want to, you know, move. And then like it had like a shield and all that. And Kev was just trying to get like the idea of what the different function they are. And then uh, like different abilities or like different things they can do. Okay. Yeah. You, you find that they do basic stuff like they assist your movements. So they would allow you to have greater strength and control while you're in them. And, you know, the construction ones can do stuff like basic demolitions, digging, and they have a little kit on them that can help to... The kit has got this raw material in it, and the material goes through the kit, and it can be formed into different useful, like, fastening tools or attaching tools, like bolts and screws and stuff, in the kit. So, like, if you need a hex bolt or a large screw, it extrudes some of the material into the kit and the kit turns it into what you need okay so it's like a like a manufacturing device okay like a, sort of like a miniaturized 3d printer a fabricator if you will yeah uh, it, the surveillance one can do deep scans and uh, it can like do scans of the ground or uh, let you see what like where there are like important tubes or systems underneath the surface so that you don't dig there and the maintenance one mostly has tools that allow you to do stuff like fix things it was going to be like well i think sewing will probably want the suit that fixes things which is this type mave i for some reason i think that you will probably want a surveillance one yeah, and emlyn maybe you'd want a construction one i feel like my abilities are better suited to either construction or maintenance not sure what we're gonna need out there so we should take one of each well we should definitely take one of each but i have an idea uh, i'd like to modify a fourth one what do you want to do with it well we don't have armed security, and I'd love to try and, and figure out a way to demonize the uh, one of the suits in order to, once we see the sun and recharge, if, if needed, be able to blast, have a little bit of physical power. Okay. So for this, you're going to need to get a bit of charge into the helmet somehow so that the helmet can adapt the auditor's arms onto the arms of this big old thing. Because as you recall, the arms change in size based on the size of their host. Would Keva be able to help with like one of her rapport roles or like will roles with the hair? Uh, it's possible. This is more like mechanical work though. These um, suits don't have systems that are even as complex as the ships. So like you could potentially, once the suits are up and running, do something that would help with their programming. But at the moment, it's more like putting stuff together for the suits. Okay, so not her forte. Not her strong suit. And I think Kevin would probably want to focus on things like supplies and route planning that are maybe a little bit more to her strong points as a sort of a caretaker, careful person. Yes. Well, you know, it's it's she's the she's the mom and she's also the programmer she's not the mechanics yeah the mechanics and the engineers i think are more the the two gentlemen who are assigned to this task uh to that point matt could is there a potential way to convince the toolkit to fabricate a weapon mm. or would that be that would that rest in manipulating its programming rather than the mechanics of it i think that would be a programming issue so you'll like the mechanics the 3d printer attached to the construction one you could theoretically have that print you know crossbow bolts or something like that and rig up a system to fire them but uh it's a question of whether or not there are systems in place that might prevent that type of behavior in a construction suit it can't violate the first law of robotics 
uh, while we're on the subject, is there any way of perhaps affixing the like the modern stun baton that I that I've been keeping around onto the suit and attaching it to the suit's power supply? You you can just because it's got its own power supply, right? So you could just have it, and it would be small in the suit's fist, but it wouldn't. You know, they could still just use it. Could just attach it to a belt or something. Okay, perfect. Likewise, I think, um, I'll take. Like, likewise, it could hold your sword. It would just be like a short sword for that thing. They're about twelve to thirteen feet tall. Oh, I see. So it doesn't make you a lot larger when you're in it. Like it opens up, you step into it, and it closes up around your limbs. Yeah, I think I'm just going to have my sword in the suit with me rather than have it wielded because I don't want to risk losing it. Hey, Amran, if I put this suit on, I can be as tall as you finally. Amran smirks. <laughs> that does beg the question, how am I going to be able to see out of it? Well, it does have SGM in its construction, don't forget. Ah, all right, there we go. Yeah, it, but also is Amran's bigger or taller height than was normal for our ancestors uh going to ha- cause a problem with the suit you'll have to see because the suits appear to be in different sizes you'll have to see which ones would fit uh, an individual of emran's stature okie duke but yeah um emran's gonna get started with helping zone in um like retrofit a battle suit or just trying to get these suits pried open in order to, to see which one i'll fit in which one we can furbish for the rest of the party okay yeah um, on the food front, Kev is going to figure out that space food is supposed to say stay dehydrated and she doesn't necessarily get what they mean about that. Like why we, you would need to do it, but she starts to try to make dry food for people. Okay. Not that that would necessarily be a problem, probably as much in this futuristic setting, but you know. Yeah. I mean, you'll probably need rations that can survive uh, the trek. You will need to figure out like how to eat uh, and you find as you are looking at dried rations and other thing that uh, is in hubs the information that hub sends you is that these space suits do have systems built into them to feed you but the food that you put into them needs to be in paste or liquid form i'm so hungry right now so i guess i'm going to have to make food paste and keva like when she tests like she has like one of the most devastated looks on her face you can make artisanal food paste goat cheese <sighs> i would like goat cheese delivered in an intravenous drip please thank you that sounds oh, about right <laughs> just mainline carbs oh gosh so yes on to like liquidy paste food i mean yeah i'm imagining a montage except even though the montage has triumphant montage music keva just looks sad in every scene exactly it's like just like or maybe the eye of the tiger i don't know just and she's just deep kind of sigh every sad. time uh, all right so uh mave you would probably be in charge of looking at the maps here and figuring out a route based on the limited information that hub is able to get you about what this borehole actually looks like aside from a big hole and uh the surface of the station what it's supposed to look like versus what it might look like is the hole big enough to take the, ch- the ship through it it is not that big no it will be big enough for these suits but that's it. You could take the ship to the hole, and that would probably be the quickest way to get there. I'm thinking no, I would bring I, it up no, to everyone else. They'll hear you. Okay, so that's you know it's it's probably smart to take the ship to the to the hole. And Hub uh, lets you know that they are reprogramming the ship to not be on a route anymore. Oh wait a second. Um, can Kevo like since 
apparently Chris and Mandy covering Kevin might like have them as taste testers. Probably need like soft foods. Sure. I mean, they're they're mostly on intravenous stuff right now, but you can try and get them to taste test some food. And all right, let's, do, let's do a crafts roll to see how good your test food is. I feel like this requires a negative one, but I won't put it in. No. Okay. You rolled a five in your craft skill. That's excellent. Uh, so as you present this paste food to Mandukai and Karis during one of their periods of uh, wakeful lucidity, what do you say to them? Well, Kevin kind of has like this bowl and she's like trying to not frown about it. So she's kind of got like this slightly pained expression, but it's kind of like one of those make when they're trying to be happy, but they're upset. Hey, I made some special food for you guys. It's pasty, but it's... Pasty, pasty food. Mandy Kai, it's sort of uh, the bed buzzes as it moves her into a seating position. And Karis like, grunts. Like tasty pasty. Karis grunts as uh, their ch- table, sorry, their bed is also moved up into a seated position. And Karis is looking at this ta- this plate of paste and their eyes are sort of narrowed suspiciously. You know, if you want to kill me, you can just wait a little bit, I think. No, I mean, I tasted it first, but I'm kind of not a good judge because I have high standards. Well, Mandukai is already has scooped up some of it with her fingers and put it in her mouth. And a big smile spreads across her face. And she reaches over with her uh, hand that still has paste on some of the fingers and just gives Karis a little punch in the shoulder. She's like, come on, try it. It's delicious. Karis daintily puts their pinky finger into the paste and uh, puts it into their mouth. And their facial expression doesn't change much, but Karis gives you a slight nod. Good. And and Keva, like... For the first time, like this is the end of the montage. This is the part where the time slows down. It, she's kind of like satisfied. Like she's not excited that she has to eat this, but at least if they, if the, you know, Mandikai and Karis say that it's good, then it's going to be good enough for her friends. Yeah. So you've created tasty paste. I imagine that there's different flavors. Like this is the herb paste and this is the, oh no, they don't have honey. Dang it. <laughs> Agave paste. Yummy. Do we have honey? I thought I had bees. You've got bees. Okay. So Maeve, let's get a lore roll as you study these maps and projections. See what kind of, okay. So you also got a five on your lore roll. So Maeve, as you are reading through the information that Hub has sent you and these maps and your own knowledge of what the station is supposed to look like on the inside, and what it looks like now on the inside, uh, you come up with a series of possible projections of what you might run into onto the surface from it just being the way it's supposed to be to the surface being covered over with a bunch of more garbage and uh, possible ways to deal with any of those contingencies. So not only do you have a good way to get to the borehole, you have a good idea of how to get down the borehole, which is going to be a perilous journey in itself, and you have a decent idea of what you might be able to do on the surface with each leg of that journey becoming sketchier as you sort of um, extrapolate more. You've got a pretty good plan in place. Okay, let's get uh, crafts rolls from Zonin and from Emrin individually. Zonin, you're sort of in charge of finding the parts 
of each suit that are usable, uh, enough to make enough suits. And Emrin, uh, you're sort of in charge of making sure that the mechanical elements are in working order. Okay, I had a hefty roll. You did. You got a six on your craft skill. So you are able to, in fact, find two extra suits worth of stuff, and you put together in total six suits that could be used. Awesome. Uh, Emrin, with your crafts roll of three there, you're able to make sure that the uh, mechanical systems are adequately prepared, and there don't appear to be any shorts or issues that they will run into in terms of their, you know, protection from the pressure of space and generation of breathable oxygen that they do. Perfect. Uh, and you said you wanted to modify some of the suits as well. I sure would, yes. So how soon do the four of you want to head out on this mission? Well, as soon as possible, but we want to be prepared. I would say wait until everyone is like 100% healthy. Okay. That's also fair. Uh, I have not healed my consequences yet. All right. In that case, we're probably going to have to say that it's another week of preparation to make sure that everything is in the in the state that you want it and to give everyone the chance to fully customize their own versions of the suit. Does that mean that I can clear all my mental stress? <laughs> yeah, of course. You'd be able to clear that at the end of a scene, usually. It's consequences that take longer. In that time, could I um, implore Hub to give me a little bit of charge into Matt Damon to kind of make my suit modifications? Uh, Hub does so once you explain why you need it. So Hub uh, diverts a bit of energy into Matt Damon. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So the uh, the other week, the week continues to pass and you start seeing new shoots of greenery throughout the Hub during this time. Nothing too outlandish, but you are starting to see signs of life again. Keva I'm has tried to feed some of the new paste uh, up like she put it near the mushrooms so that the mushrooms could taste it. Okay. Uh, they don't They don't uh, really respond. They just continue to sort of move their arms back and forth, but they are getting bigger and more numerous. They're about two dozen now. He's legion. Perhaps so. I will be keeping an eye on the patients and also just kind of leaving instructions on how to proceed with care for Constance or whomever showing the most interest in them while we're gone. Yeah, it's most likely Constance will be taking point on that as she is a doctor. Okay. Uh, we are going to take another break on this end, and when we return from our break, we are going to get descriptions from each of our players of their customized spacesuits and take the first steps on this next mission. So That's... for those of you playing, don't forget that you had a minor milestone at the end of Chapter 7. So if you haven't done the updates for that, uh, make sure you do that before we set out on this mission. And if you have any consequences, you will have had enough time now to recover from those. Thank you for joining us in part two of chapter eight of Splinters of a Broken Sun. We've received a new review on iTunes this week, and I'd like to share it with you. This review is from Dungeon Master for President. Fated to be awesome. Only a few episodes into Splinters, but I was immediately drawn into the setting and the show's setup. You get to dive right into this world and see things from the naive character's point of view, and it feels like a really well-crafted sci-fi from the start. I have only played a little bit of the Fate system before, but I think that it lends itself really well to these kinds of imaginative stories, and I am excited to see where this goes in the future. Thank you for your review, and I hope that you'll join us to see where it goes indeed. The next bit of exciting news is that we are now featured on RPG Casts, a resource for current RPG pods. They make it easy to find podcasts featuring women, non-binary people, LGBTQ+, and people of color. You can find them at RPGcasts.com or on Twitter at RPG underscore casts. 
It's a fantastic resource, and just looking at it can be a very inspiring experience to see that this hobby has never been just for one group of people, but for everyone. And through podcasting and the freedom that we have in playing online, we can really see that diversity and inclusivity that is gaming. Until the next time, all the best.